Welcome to the Let's Talk International Education podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Benny, founder of Top Schools. We're here for you, whether you're a parent, grandparent, a teacher, as long as you're interested in education, you're in the right place. We work hard to bring relevant, up-to-date and possibly controversial information on all things related to education. In this first season, we've invited education leaders from around the world, as well as parents just like you and I. We're pleased you found us. Don't forget to subscribe. And here's today's episode. This afternoon, we are talking about the importance of character building in children. So I'm delighted to welcome uh, two guests. I have Howard Tuckett, headmaster of Wickham Abbey School, Hong Kong, and Christine Marlau from GEMS Character Academy. Good afternoon, Christine, and good afternoon, Howard. Good afternoon, Ruth. Good afternoon, Ruth. How are you today? Very good, thank you. Doing great. Thank you for spending the time to, to come on. So we're talking about character education or character building. So maybe I can start with you, Howard. Could you explain to us what is it and how are you doing that at Wickham Abbey? Yeah, thank you. I think from a school's point of view, it comes back to the point of that phrase, that famous phrase, a holistic education, meaning that we're educating the whole person. This isn't just something we do sort of as a byproduct of an academic education, but in order for an academic education to be successful, we need to have a well-adjusted person, who, a child who is happy in their skin, as happy with themselves. And I don't mean happy in an entertained kind of way, I mean content. A child who is healthy, who is well balanced as their social world is developing, as their interactions with other people develop and their ability to deal with those interactions. We're dealing with children who are coming from infancy where they are entirely inward looking. It's all about me, me, me. And they're now going through that early primary and later primary phase of their lives where they're becoming aware the world is more than just about them, that there are other people who are also interested in themselves. And that we then start to see the first attempts, almost like they had to learn to walk a few years before. Now they have to learn to interact successfully with other people. And in order to do that, children need to be able to build a character. And character really means having a good and clear understanding, an effective understanding of yourself and how you relate to other people. That's really what character is having confidence in yourself whilst having sensitivity to those around you. If you boil what character means, you'll come down to that essence. A curriculum at a formal school here, and of course, I know I'm looking forward to hearing from Christine, and we've talked at length in the past. Christine comes from a slightly different perspective from a formal school situation. But in order for our academic teaching to be maximized, for it to be the most successful that it can be, we need to ensure that our children's character and their character development, their ability to balance their knowledge and awareness of themselves with their knowledge and awareness of those around them, that needs to be developing at the same time as their academic learning in order to get the best out of both. Thank you, Howard. Yeah, let's bring in Christine, because maybe, Christine, you can explain, you know, you've been working in your centre, you've been looking at character education for over 10 years, almost 10 years. And as Howard says, coming at it from outside of the school environment, could you just explain to us a little bit more about what you do at GEMS Character Academy? 
Sure. Ruth, as you mentioned, we were established over 10 years ago, and it was really with the hope of you know, bringing part of this holistic education to children, as what Howard mentioned. And we used the quote from Martin Luther King Jr., intelligence plus character. That is the goal of true education. And, you know, if you have someone that's just intelligent without having character, that's not a full picture. And so here at GEMS, we we have our definition of what a person of character is. And that is someone who has a strong sense of identity. And identity comes first, knowing who they are and being confident, you know, as Harris says, in their skin, right? Then it's about relationships. How do you build relationships with other people? How do you have a sense of respect? How do you work as teams? How do you resolve conflicts? That's part of relationship building. And then how do we help people in the community? So for us, someone of sound character, good character, someone who has a strong sense of identity, who knows how to build relationships with other people and then makes a positive impact on the community. So that's what we do here at GEMS. We have programs for children all the way up to age of 12 to help them nurture their character, give them opportunities to be stretched, give them opportunities to fail, but then help them develop in these character virtues and strengths and values. Thank you, Christine. I'm interested to hear from both of you on to what extent you believe a centre like yours, Christine, or a school like Wickham Abbey Howard is responsible for character education and, and how much are the parents responsible? Is this something new in education as well? Yeah, thank you. Sorry to answer the last part of the question first. No, I don't think it's anything new. I think education, like many other professions, is capable of coming up with quite cute buzzwords from time to time, but mostly they mean things that really good teachers have been doing really well for a long time. Education is about preparation for life, and sometimes I think we're guilty of putting the actual subject topics ahead in importance of the development of character. We should remember that the subjects that we study are very often just the tool that we use for exercise. It's a bit like using the the heavy weights to exercise. It's not about the heavy weights, it's about the benefit of the exercise. And very often the subjects that we teach, those are the heavy weights, but the benefit of working around that that challenge of whatever that subject is, that's where the real benefit in the education comes. And developing a person's character, we're preparing children to be successful in life, not necessarily to be good academics or good spellers or good mathematicians, although, of course, that's, those are very useful life skills as well. I would certainly encourage parents, as you're seeking schools, as you're exploring your children's future education and talking to schools, to, to seek out schools where the view is that the relationship in between parents and the school is very much a partnership. So Ruth's question just now about where does the development of character lie? Where does the responsibility lie? Well, it lies with parents and with school parents, of course, are the first, are the foremost and the most influential educators of their children. And the school cannot hope to have the same amount of impact that parents have. Although as a parent, I do know that, you know, I can say something to my children when they were of school going age, hundreds of times I could say something and then one of them would trot back in at the end of the day and say, Mrs. Teacher said, tell me this. And I said, I've been saying that for months. Why does it work with your teacher says? But all of that notwithstanding, as parents, we must understand that we are our child's primary educator and that anything the school does can only be supplementary to that. But it is a relationship. And of course, the benefit of school, as Christine said just now, is the social aspect. You cannot replicate the social environment at home unless you've got a family of 20 people, which is unusual. So being a, a good social member in a family of three or four or five people at home, that's one thing. 
being a good social member in a class of 20 plus children and a school of several hundred children or more, that's a completely different skill set and children need to learn these skills. Howard Gardner famously talks about many books he's written about multiple intelligences and social intelligence is as important as any academic intelligence because people who have just academic intelligence but no social intelligence cannot communicate their knowledge. We need to be able to have both and only by developing people's character and their awareness of people, their empathy of people, their ability to communicate with people effectively and problem solve with people around them, only then can all the academic learning they've absorbed and honed and refined in their own minds, only then can that be shared. Thank you, Howard. So just to follow on from that, Christine, I mean, the role of parents and school, how about the role of a centre such as yourself in character education? Well, I completely agree with Howard that Parents are really the first and lifelong educators for their children. It really starts in the home and it really is the most important element in character education. And, you know, if, when parents are active in their children's lives and talking about character and using and bringing out teachable moments and all of that, I think, you know, that's when it's very, very rich in the home. And it has to be partnered with, you know, the school. They are spending most of their time at school. And so I'm in complete agreement with Howard that, you know, parents and the school have to be in partnership with each other to really bring out the best. But I would even go a step further to say that everyone in a child's life is a character educator because it's about the way you live life. And anyone that is in a child's life is showing this child how to live life. So I remember talking to a parent of ours, this was many years ago, and she said that she had found the best cello teacher for her child. And the cello teacher would teach the, her child once a week. And the times that she would, you know, watch the cello lesson in progress, she, she noticed that the cello teacher was always shouting at her child and saying things that would shame, you know, her child. And even though this teacher was the best cello teacher that she could find, you know, she stopped classes for her child because she said, even though she's teaching my child cello and he's, you know, improving the skill, I don't want him to have his character. And so I would say, you know, anyone that is in a child's life is a character educator. And I think, as the saying goes, it takes a village to raise a child, right? And so the more people that you have that are speaking the same language, the same character language as a parent, I think the better chance you'll have in really solidifying those values and that character foundation. And so, you know, where we come in, we, we are definitely no replacement for parents nor for school, but just coming alongside families, coming alongside schools to say that we recognize that, you know, you put character first and foremost in your education and we want to come alongside you and in uh, reinforcing that. So the programs that we have are after school, give you know students an opportunity to meet you know, to be in social situations with children outside of their school environment, sometimes from very different backgrounds. And also we take our students to do community service. So they'll meet perhaps the visually impaired, the elderly, the hearing impaired. So those are different opportunities that we can offer, you know, to children. And it's really just to supplement and complement what is already being done in the home and at school. Thank you, Christine. I want to pick up on something that you said earlier about, you know, surrounding our children with different types of characters. I'll return to that. You gave us some examples of, of what some community service type activities. Howard, in the school, what are some examples of sort of real teachable moments where it might be focused on character? And I presume that's all very much integrated into the normal curriculum anyway. 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. We model in the school good character development, the way teachers support themselves, frankly, all members of staff. We call it professional standards, but it's not just because we, you know, I don't walk around in a jacket and collar and tie in Hong Kong when I'm not at work, but we are modeling what we would like children to become in the workplace when it's their turn to, to become adults. But as well as the informal modeling of good character targets, we do also have a formal curriculum. We we teach a subject called personal social health education. At all three key stages that we have at Wickham Abbey, we start at year one, we go right through to 13 plus at year eight, three key stages, key stage one, key stage two, key stage three on the UK national curriculum, which is the model we have for this school. And in each of those three key stages, the subject of personal social health education covers health and well-being. And there's a whole raft of headings that teachers who, A, are teaching the subject and every other teacher needs to be aware of in their subject so that they can back those ideas up. So health and well-being, relationships and living in the wider world, awareness of what's going on around us in the wider world. And those three headings are duplicated in a formal curriculum, I've actually got the curriculum document sitting right here. It's however many pages thick. So as well as having the informal modeling, good behavior, good character, how to behave, how to re relate to other people, we do also have a formal curriculum, which is given timetabled classroom time to every single class. Do you think that the British schools sort of have a bit of the edge on this? I mean, I notice what you say. I notice some of the British schools in Hong Kong and particularly, you know, setting the standards in terms of the way that teachers dress or the manners that the children are expected to demonstrate. Do you think that's where we Brits have a slight edge? I don't know if I'd call it an edge. I think that the reason that we do these things probably comes from the multicultural aspect of Britain, particularly Britain's cities. And when the new national curriculum was being put together, I think some very far-sighted people made a very brave and, and, and successful attempt to formalize what constitutes a good citizen, which is probably another phrase for character development. Particularly in the 60s and the early 70s, there was definitely a feeling in schools that this would all just fall into place for children. And of course, famously before that, through the 1940s and 1950s, these things were really hammered into children. Good manners and uh, you don't eat until everybody else starts and you don't leave the table until everybody else gets down and only speak when you're spoken and, and, and all of that. And then, of course, as things do, the pendulum swung and through the 60s and 70s, life got a lot more free and easy. And then late 70s, 80s, people realised that children didn't have this, this sort of moral code, if you like, to help them develop their own characters. And so a, a really good attempt to try and not swing as far as the excesses of the 40s, 50s and early 60s, and also be not so laissez-faire in our education as the late 60s and 70s, that we have a formal attempt, and I believe it's better than an attempt, I think it's a very successful educational model, and it's based on sort of North European cultural norms. And of course, Hong Kong, having been a former part of the Commonwealth, the EDB primary curriculum is heavily influenced by the sort of 1950s national curriculum for all the, the Commonwealth around the world. So, of course, it already has a very heavy British influence in it. But if you were to talk another part of the world, I'm sure there are cultural influences there which are just as relevant to those parts of the world. But I suspect this is the one that, that we are familiar with. So it makes us feel at home.
Thank you. Um, so, Christine, let me ask you, how does that adapt to a Hong Kong situation? And, and obviously, we tend to think of Hong Kong parents as being very, very much focused on academics and sometimes to the exclusion of, of other important aspects such as character education. What do you think? I think that's generally true. I do think that there's been change over the past decade. I mean, I remember when I first started in this area of education, a lot of people would ask, you know, what is this? What is this all about? Why is it important? You know, I need time for my kids to learn, you know, five different languages and four different sports and three different instruments, you know. But I think one thing just to highlight about character, I mean, I, I think it's important in and of itself, but I do think that it contributes to, you know, school success as well. If we're talking about things like responsibility or perseverance as character traits, you know, research has shown that that's highly correlated to school success. And so we're not saying that one is going to take away from the other. Rather, one actually helps the other. And so to give you know parents a different perspective, if you invest in a child's character development, it actually doesn't take away from the academic development. Rather, it helps it. And I think, you know, from another perspective is their emotions or relationships. Imagine a child being bullied at school, not knowing what to do about it. Imagine a child who doesn't know how to express their emotions or how to, you know, communicate with other people. I think they would find it very, very difficult to thrive in school. And so I think when we talk about helping them develop in their character and helping them with these developing these skills, it's really not detracting from school success. I, I really do. I truly believe that, yes, it's going to help them, you know, in the future as lifelong learners. But I do think it, there is also immediate, um, you know, benefits of helping them thrive in school. So I do think that it's very, very important that we invest in that soon and invest in it heavily. We have a question about sport in particular. So is sport considered something that you could put under the umbrella of character education? And how is sport being integrated into the curriculum at Wickham Abbey, Howard? Sport is a great subject for modelling uh, situations where children need to really practice their relationships. There's nothing to help good manners fly out the window than a bit of competitiveness <laughs> over a match or game. So, or any competitive situation. So in sport, the good manners that we require, what we call sportsmanship or sportswomanship, whichever way it's equally important. And as a teacher, of course, I've been involved in sport as part of my job. A cricket matches, I'm a lacrosse umpire, I'm a rugby umpire, a rugby referee, rugby coach, and a general PE teacher, as well as doing lots of outward bounds and outdoors and hiking and climbing and, and what have you with, with children over the years. All of these outdoor things, not just the narrow sort of idea of sport as a, as a game played with a ball, but any outdoor activity where children are working either individually, there is a whole wealth of lessons to learn in individual sports. Long distance running is, is always a good one at schools where it's just the child alone with themselves against the physical challenge. Rock climbing would be another one. It's not a team sport. There's nobody to help you. Uh, fencing. These are all very individual efforts and, and you're competing with yourself in your head. How far can you go? As well as working with a team. You know, a team is, is always very good when they're winning and they're always very good and very, very cooperative in the first half. But goodness me, a bunch of under 15 boys in the last 10 minutes of a 50 minute rugby match when they're exhausted and they're losing, you start to see the wheels of relationships coming off pretty swiftly. And the boy who can walk up to another boy when there's only five minutes left and they're all exhausted and they're wet and they're freezing cold and his friend has just completely made the biggest mistake ever and probably cost them a match and you can still walk up to him, pat him on the back and say, don't worry about it, you'll do better next time. That's when we've succeeded. I'm not really interested in what the score of the match is. 
the child that I'm educating, a girl on a lacrosse, put herself absolutely on the line physically, has taken some probably some hard blows and can still smile and still encourage the team and talk to her teammates. These are massive learning opportunities. It's only by practice over and over and over that we come from just being involved in the ego, me, 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 to being everything that's going on is bigger than me. And having the humility to work well in victory and the courage to work well in defeat, all of these are massive life lessons. So sport is, is huge. Wickham Abbey is still a very new school, um, and unfortunately, our entire career in the last 18 months has been impacted by COVID shutdown. So although we have outdoor facilities, we've never had more than actually four weeks at school to get things going. Just as we get going, we've gone shut down again. So we have a, we still have a huge sporting history to come, but we haven't got one yet. I couldn't agree more, Howard. And it's interesting what you say about, you know, team sports and, and so many parents, we could have another session on sports entirely. But it's like what you were saying earlier, Christine, you know, character education isn't something that we bolt onto the education. Sports isn't something extra that we just, you know, it's it's all integrated. They all work well together. I, I want to just pick up on something. Obviously, sports is a great vehicle for this, but another other ideas or ways, Christine, on how to get children comfortable with failure. And again, I think that this is a little bit of a maybe a modern parenting. You know, we talk about the helicopter parents, parents or Children are getting medals for participation. You know, that kind of culture that we're living in now. Is it important that we allow children to fail? I don't think it's important. I think it's essential. And I say that as an educator, but as a parent, it scares me, you know, to let my, you know, child fail. And so I think the first thing in getting children to be resilient is to go back to the parents and for parents to be okay with their children failing. Because if we don't even get the parents to that place, it's not going to work for their kids. So I do think it's, it's an essential part of learning because it's what gets the perseverance going. And that's what you're going to need. If you get a child who's who thinks that they are the best of the best all the time, well, it's going to hit them at some point in their lives that they are not. There's always going to be someone better than you. And then how do you take that? I mean, and I think for me, it's also, you know, confidence in our identity, just going back to the identity part. It shouldn't just be on my accomplishments. And so if I'm just getting, you know, top at everything, then I'm confident I have a good sense of identity. Well, what if you're not top one day? Where does your confidence and where does your identity lie then? So I do think that we need to fail in order to have resilience as part of their identity. You know, it's not just I'm good at this, I'm good at that. But when I mess up, I stand up again. And that's the important part. And I and I think it really starts with the parents, the educators, really focusing on the process more than the outcome. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about growth mindset, right? That, you know, we can grow to be better. We're not, it's not static. And it takes that growth mindset to help our kids to come out of that. Just me personally, I remember when my child was in sports day and I told him, I said, you know, the most important thing to me is that you get up after you fall. And I knew he was going to fall, when, you know, if he's trying to run hard. And like for me as a parent, my proudest moment was when he came, ran up to me at the end of, you know, a match at sports day. And he said, mommy, guess what? When I fell down, I got up again. And to me, that was so much better than him winning whatever place it was. And so I think it's whether we celebrate those things and we help them to get up, we help them to grow in confidence as they're going through these things, but to help them know that it's not the outcome that I most care about. It's the process. It's that you're growing stronger. You're growing better. You're learning from your mistakes. That to me is more important. And I think if we can place importance in those things, I think it helps a child put importance in those things. And it makes them maybe even look forward you know, to those encounters where they do fail because they know that they will grow and learn from it. 
So I do think that helping them experience that, you know, as they're young will really set them up for a much brighter future as they're growing older. I have so many questions and we are running out of time. Let me ask this, Howard. Obviously, it's been a tricky year um, for us as parents, for you as educators, for, for the children. So when you go back to school or even as on an ongoing basis, how are you communicating with the children and how have you been inspired by how the children have dealt with this tricky period? Yeah, well, uh, famously, children are amazingly resilient. I and mean, all these years later, they still take my breath away at just how quickly they adapt. We have noticed when the children have come back to school after these sometimes months-long layoffs from school, that they do find it difficult to interact with each other as they used to, because they're just not used to having other children around them. They're used to being in their apartment with maybe one or two brothers or sisters, and, and that's it. And we were prepared pastorally to support children once we became aware after the first lockdown that this could be an issue. But you know what? By day three, we're back to normal again. And their normal interaction just seems to reassert, or their normal ability to react, interact with each other seemed to reassert itself far quicker than we had anticipated. I mean, to, to answer the first part of your question, the children themselves uh, shouldn't be just a victim to whom all this is happening to. They need to be active participants in developing their characters and their relationships. And one of the first things we do as the school started, and we do at the beginning of each year, is we look at our school code. And our school code, which is stuck up on very nice smart posters all over the school, was written by our children. And it was argued over and it was brought into assembly. It's, about, it's rather like going through the two houses in the United States uh, government or going through the two houses in the British government, came back to assembly two or three times and then went back to the classes for them to rewrite the 10 or 12 points. Got one, Actually, I won't reach across, but I've got one on the pinboard in my office here. A code of conduct that children expect each other to live by and will hold each other to account over, written by them and published by them, and it's everywhere. And that's the starting children need to be involved in their own character development. And if you use that as a foundation to all the other schools' activities, no matter how difficult your year's been, and, and this has been an extraordinary year, of course it has, there'll be challenges. I know I've worked in a school that burnt down. I've worked in a school that got flooded. I've worked in schools where there have been immense tragedies of sudden and unexpected loss of life. You know, life happens all the time. Sometimes it's exciting. Sometimes it's just downright tragic. But that's life. And children respond magnificently every time and always take your breath away. But we have to include them. And rather than we do it to them, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. It, it does. I just have one final question. Howard, may I ask you, parents are looking at choosing a school for their children. Is it important that they look at the values that the school espouses and how do they actually really differentiate between the different schools because they all kind of say a lot of this stuff but you know do is it is it just a poster on the wall or are the children really living and breathing it on a daily basis how do parents really get inside the school and understand that uh, very quickly you're quite right all schools will say and of course all schools really do try to develop character i don't believe there's a school in the world that wouldn't but I believe there are different levels of effectiveness in that. And I, I think you put it quite nicely when you said just now there are those who do and those who say they do. And frankly, here's my top tip for parents. When you're exploring schools, make sure you go on a tour of the school during the school day. And when you get to each classroom, don't watch the teacher, watch the children. See what the children are doing in the lessons, because it's very easy to be entertained by whatever the teacher's doing. Leave that, put your focus on the children and watch how they're interacting with each other 
and how much interaction is going on in the lesson. And that way you'll be able to judge pretty quickly that kind of culture in the school. Couldn't agree more. It hasn't been possible this year. Um, so just uh, final parting tips, Christine, you know, maybe a concrete tip or two for, for parents who are interested in building their children's character. I would say choose a couple of characters. I mean, character encompasses so many different things. There's so many different values and virtues that it encompasses. But I would say choose a couple that you would use to define your family with. Choose a couple of character values that your family wants to have as kind of keystones, you know, to your family. Put them up, you know, you would at a school, put them up somewhere and give examples to your children of what that looks like. Talk to them about it. Ask them what they think it means, how they can live those values and character traits out in their daily lives. It's sometimes very difficult, I think, for a child to hear the word character. Sometimes even for adults, you know, it's such a big word and it covers so many different things. But if you can just choose a couple of things, for example, just behind me, you know, gratitude, having an attitude of gratitude, being helpful. Just choosing a couple to highlight and just bringing daily conversations around those, you know, around the dinner table. What are three things you're most grateful for today? Who are two people you helped today? Making that as part of, you know, family life, I think that's a good way to start. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, Howard. So I've just made some key words that we've heard today. We've heard courage, respect, responsibility, content, empathy, healthy, social intelligence. I mean, there's so many good things here. We'll make some notes and we will post some comments in the questions. And if parents would like to find out more about Wickham Abbey School, parent tours will be resuming soon and we will post the link. And uh, for you, Christine, we'll also post a link. If parents would like to find out more about GEMS, where do they go? I think you go to our website or our Facebook page. We'll post the link. They we're open for tours all the time. But better to see the school in session, right? Yeah, well, every morning you, there are pupils here. Right. Thank you for joining me, Christine from GEMS Character Ed Academy and Howard from Wickham Abbey School, Hong Kong. Thank you and have a good rest of the afternoon. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about the Hong Kong education system and parenting and education news and trends, check out our back catalogue, all available to download for free. You can also head over to our YouTube, Facebook or website for lots of free, useful information for parents and educators. Links in the show notes. Until next time.